The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome on and welcome all to the greatest show of them all. It is the Waka Waka NFC East Mixtape, uh, which you can listen to on any one of your favorite SB Nation NFC East blog podcast networks. You can also watch this on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the blog on the boys YouTube channel, where if you do, you will see the dashing, debonair, freshly manicured faces of myself. I'm Arjo Cho from Blog on the Boys. He is himself, Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. BLG, very happy Tuesday to you, Wednesday to the listener, whatever day you want it to be in your heart. RJ, I have one question. You're coming in a little hot with the volume. You're a little bit louder than you were a second ago before we started. It's just really, yeah, like it's I a didn't little change intense. anything. It was a little bit like abrasive in an audio way. I didn't even move. Okay. Are you okay? I'm you fine. I'm just. I'm just worried that somebody like is driving and was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't change any settings or anything. I just okay. and I've been sitting in the same place. I didn't like get closer to the microphone. Anyway, you can't distract me. I have one question for you, RJ. Are you ready for that question? Um, is the question? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything clever. What is the question? Do you have fire? in your gut i don't know if this is an inside joke i really don't know it it's the, uh, it's the jonathan gannon line that he said oh. that went viral when he was talking to the players and no one looked inspired i'm He's happy if you have fire in your gut i'm happy that you have to reconcile your differences with jonathan gannon at the very the least. cowboys yeah. did not have fire in their gut but anyway we will get to them later because we are talking about an nfc east division that the order has been changed uh we a new we order are, right a new a order team undefeated at the top of the division. Um, it is Tuesday, September 26th, uh, the Tuesday after week three. Uh, again, just for context, we re- generally record about 11, 1130. It's 1126 at the moment central um, on Tuesday. We dropped this on Wednesday, just the way it works out with our schedule. Um, again, there was a and if you're new around here, maybe it's your first season. Um, we actively during the season uh, discussed the NFC East teams in order of current standing. And because of the results this week, only one team in the division picked up the W and it was the Philadelphia Eagles, the last one to play. Monday Night Football, of course. Um, so they will be the first team we discuss, and we'll obviously go in divisional order. Do we have any kind of things we need to take care of before we jump right into the Eagles? Um, we have another divisional matchup this week. Obviously, we'll get there after we discuss the, the, the week that just unfolded. But um, kind of a weird week. Gen- in general, week three was across the NFL. Let's just get into the Eagles. I mean, they're 3-0. and They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were previously undefeated on Monday Night Football. <laughs> what? I mean, I just hope you're not going to act like the Bucks are this like you know mighty dragon that we're slayed. That's all. No, they're not. Okay, I, I okay, didn't I think they were great. That's how but, that's how know, it sounded for a second. They were two and zero. I'm just saying. Can I, factually. Can I go first? Okay. If you'll yeah, tell me your impressions from the Eagles advancing to three and zero and covering the spread. They were five point favorites. They covered the spread. So um, I hate the double Monday night game. I hate this because like, obviously this was the game that I wanted to pay more attention to. And I hate that. Like I'm somewhat, det- and I'm already, this is a, a difficult time of year as is with all the sports happening. So I've already, you know, got enough attention on the Astros and their battle for a playoff spot. So, but now I have to devote attention to this Rams Bengals, you know, snoozer that is happening, whatever. It was stupid, but um, everyone in Philly hated that. At least like on Eagles Twitter that I saw like the, the live check-ins, I hated it because like I don't want to see a smaller version of the Eagles Bucks game if I'm tuning in to watch the Eagles Bucks game. Like you can flash a little ticker for the Rams Bengals game, sure. It's done. I don't need a live look in at that game as I'm trying to watch the Eagles Bucks game. 
I agree with you completely. Um, and like like I'm saying, we've talked many times about the um, the Eagles, Texans, uh, Phillies, Astros, World Series night. Um, like that's hard enough. You know what I mean? When when your city or your your multiple teams happen to line up and you have to watch them anyway. Like we don't need one sport making it more complicated. But I digress. Anyway, um, I have the Philadelphia Eagles currently number three in my power rankings at blogontheboys.com. The only teams I have ahead of them are the 49ers and the Dolphins. Um, also, obviously, both undefeated. And, it's actually um, lower than I have them, which is funny. I have them below the Dolphins, 49ers, Chiefs in that order. Oh, so you, oh it's higher than you have them. That's what you're saying. Oh, I thought you got them at three. Yeah, you said, but that's actually lower than I have you them have. lower. I have them lower. I know, but you misspoke then. You said that's actually lower than oh, you, where you have yes, them. I, I have, have them, them higher lower. than you. My top five, which is quickly Niners, Dolphins, Eagles, Chiefs, Bills. And then I do have the Cowboys right outside of that at six. But um, this was kind of a sleepy game for a while. And I feel like it's been that way for the Eagles so far this season. Like, um, I don't know that I definitely know that they haven't looked like their 2022 selves, at least on offense beyond the incredibly amazing offensive line. Um, but the hallmark of a truly great team and a truly well-coached team, as difficult as that is for me to say, is if you can, you know, stumble your way through and not just win, but win comfortably. I mean, like as tenuous as it kind of felt like on Monday night for the Eagles, it never truly felt like it was in danger, at least in my mind, like the Eagles were in danger, like they were truly going to lose this game. Like, you know, the interceptions, the miscommunication, the whatever you want to call it, it never felt like, oh, like Tampa is going to take advantage of this. And some of that is Tampa, but whatever, like you, you won, you beat a bad team, you covered the spread, you won convincingly. And I saw you tweet about this and I did as well the drive at the end was a masterpiece. Like the, the yeah. drive at the end was like, again, say what you want about like how it happened, whatever. It was a true gotta have it. Let's go ice this game, milk the clock, whatever you want to call it drive. And they did that. And so it's very, very annoying that while the Eagles um, are either still figuring out, you know, how to get this done on offense, or maybe this is just who they're going to be on offense this year, that they are undefeated three, and zero in the process. I hate it very much. Yeah, that last drive, 9.22 left in the game. I think the Bucks had two timeouts to work with. For whatever reason, Todd Bowles didn't call them. Kind of just admitted defeat, but still, that doesn't I think take he away. was banking on getting a stop and, and hoping, because they needed two scores still. You know what I mean? It just, the stop never came. Wouldn't have made a difference, but still, you know, a lot more coaches probably would have uh, just used them anyway. And I mean, I've seen coaches use those when the game is like very well in hand and they just seem to be stubborn and don't want Quickly, to admit defeat. Did you? I know you were very busy. Did you see the uh, Rams' decision to punt? Um, no, I heard. I saw the Ben, uh, the Ben Baldwin fourth down, or the whatever New York Times fourth down bot, what a surrender index thing. They yeah, um, very they, cowardly down ten points or something. Yeah, they punted, and there were six minutes left in the game. Um, I just bring that up because you were one of the only people besides me who I know will publicly call out Sean McVay for being a coward. But go ahead. Yes, he is a coward. So who knew who is not? A coward is Sean Desai, the Eagles defensive coordinator, the Eagles defense. For as much as the offense did not, you know, click all the way through and it's still kind of out of rhythm a little bit, not a bad performance. I mean, ultimately, they produced seven, 472 yards. That's pretty good. Um, but the defense was strong from the start and really all night long only allowed, you know, 11 points total. They also produced two points of their own, the safety. They had two takeaways. It allowed just 174 yards. Bucks offense obviously isn't amazing, but still, you know, to shut them down like that, uh, only four yards per play for the Bucks, and some of that too came, you know, like I mean, the, the Bucks only touchdown drive came late in the game when the Eagles were obviously playing a little bit softer and just trying to keep everything in front, uh, quote unquote, prevent defense, if you will. So that was a really strong night from that unit. You talked about how you know. The Eagles offensive line gets a lot of credit and they were awesome. I mean, they were opening up huge holes for DeAndre Swift and just it's it's a it's a really good marriage because yes, DeAndre Swift has it easy when he's getting that much room to run through, but he is also taking advantage of the space he is being given. And he hurdled that dude at one point, and you just see it with him. Like the juice that he has, it's different than what we saw from Miles Sanders last year and what we saw for some idiotic reason that the Eagles decided to give Kenny Gainwell 18 touches in week one like it's just a different level of juice of that guy but I think one would be remiss not to focus on who is becoming a flat-out terror even Jaylen though Carter. he's just three games into his career I mean Jalen Carter the fumble is, was amazing like that, that is um, <laughs> that's just I, a man amongst boys it really is like he just like just destroyed that like I've never seen a more violent punch out because usually I feel like when you see a punch out like that a lot of the times in open field, typically it's going to be like a defensive back. And, yeah, you know, peanut Tillman, big. the peanut punch. Exactly. 
but John Carter is humongous, and he just like destroyed that guy. He let me read. There's a bunch of stats I can read for you that are really impressive, but I will use this one from ESPN's Ed Werder, who tweeted out: Rook, "Eagles rookie defensive tackle Jalen Carter is emerging as one of the most challenging defensive forces in the NFL in three career games." Carter pressured the quarterback against double team blocks six times this season, which trails only Micah Parsons, according to NFL Next Gen stats. I mean, Jalen Carter is a beast. And I tweeted out a bunch of stats that, like, you know, show the top defensive tackles in right, the right. NFL, how many sacks they had in their rookie years. And a lot of them are like two, two and a half around there. One, Jalen Carter already is one and a half through three games. I mean, he is a force. And it is crazy. That nine teams let him get to the Eagles. There's important context with that. I mean, it wasn't just that they were like, oh, we think this dude is a, a poor player. Like, we don't have to revisit that. But there, there is, you know, there was contextualized reason and doubt and concern that other teams had. That's all. Like, I, you know, we shouldn't forget that. Like, I, I think it's unfair to those other teams to say, like, oh, that they just missed the evaluation. But, again, that's neither here nor there. Um, he's incredible. Um, Eagle special teams is kind of taking care of business. It is interesting to – see the Eagles offense be kind of lifeless and toothless um, at times. So four turnovers. For I wouldn't Jalen Hurts. I think those words aren't unfair for a unit. Again, that produced 472 yards offense. Well, I wouldn't I say mean, lifeless. Like, I would say out of rhythm is a better way to put it or out of sync. They they look, I guess, lifeless and toothless relative to like the reputation that they developed last year. Right. Like, Which is it, a very high reputation. Sure. Well, and and that's, th- and I'm not saying that is like that. Yeah, that's the standard. When you that, set that, that standard, was, you're going to be measured against that. That was always like the argument, right? It was like there was no way that these things were going to like sustain themselves. Like, you know, Jalen Hurts, again, that I brought up the poor turnovers in three games so far. Like that has to be at least mildly concerning. Um, I mean. I don't like the AJ Brown uh, chemistry stuff, like didn't, you know, run over into this week. No touchdowns this season for AJ Brown, three games in. Again, not the biggest deal in the world. You're three and oh, so it's not like anybody's like pissed off about it or anything like that. But again, that was, you know, I was dragged over the coals for suggesting that AJ Brown would not have 3,000 yards this season. And again, and, and Devontae Smith, that was my argument was he was going to show up. He looks like a true superstar. I mean, like, again, this could be the year where the like torch is passed or whatever, and he becomes the best receiver on the team. Again, the argument I made all along. So I'm looking to say here, but yeah, the Eagles' offense looks sputtery at times. So I, I think it's more than natural regression, which is a point I've made. I think I was even saying last week because look at the Eagles' defensive line, for example. Like they were obviously going to regress from a standpoint of you can't break the NFL record or almost break the NFL record for sacks, probably went going from back to back years like that sack production was always going to come down this year but the eagles defensive line doesn't look like any less fearsome despite that like they might not be getting the same number of sacks but they're still creating a ton of havoc i think it's a little different with hertz i think it's possible this game was a step in the right direction for him and let's be clear he made some important plays those two throws that he had on i think it was the eagles longest drive of the year at the time like 80 something yard drive to alameda zacchaeus he hung in the pocket and he stayed alive. And sometimes I get frustrated when Hertz hangs onto the ball because I think he's missing uh, throws that are there to be made in terms of throwing his receivers open and throwing with anticipation. And sometimes you hold on to it forever and he ends up throwing it away or only running for a couple yards. In this case, he was able to hang onto the ball. And despite pressure coming onto him because he was holding onto the ball, he kept his eyes down the field and he made some really accurate throws. And one of them, he got drilled on and he threw a touchdown pass on that. And it was like just over the outstretched arm of a Bucks defender. So that was a really impressive play. I think he's at like a C, C plus for that kind of game. It, it was not, you know, an amazing game by him. The turnovers are concerning. One of them seemed to be a miscommunication with DeAndre Swift. Even so, I wonder if the ball placement was right on that. And, you know, he got picked off with, by incredible play by the Bucks. Um, but that was like a backup cornerback who makes that play. And actually helped the Eagles because, I mean, it's obviously not a smart play to throw that pick, but that's what set up the safety. So I think Hertz needs to be better, like plain and simple. I think he will. I'm still not worried about his long-term outlook and the luxury that the Eagles have of having a defense that can show up and how strong they are in the trenches and how they can run the football is that he doesn't need to look like MVP Jalen Hart's superstar from the jump. Uh, they're buying themselves time for him to figure it out. I still believe he will figure that out because the talent he has on offense is simply too good. And uh, so I'm not worried about that, but I do you know, want to see that at some point. I want to see the Jalen Hurts. We're expecting to see the Jalen Hurts. The Eagles are expecting to see. You don't pay Jalen Hurts what you did in the offseason for him to be the quarterback he's been now through the course of the entire year. 
Yeah, I mean, um, again, the luxury of having a elite front office that builds the team the way it does is if your quarterback struggles, turns the ball over, doesn't play like the person you paid him to be, you can still figure things out and you can still win games. And again, beat a bad team, cover the spread. Good teams win, great teams cover. Um, all that's well said. The Eagles uh, are lower than um, – where, where did you say they were in your power rankings? What spot? I have them at four, only behind the Dolphins at one, the 49ers at two, and the Chiefs at three. They are fifth um, in DVOA after week three. Uh, total DVOA, offensively 10th, um, defensively 7th, but that special teams group that we talked about um, is fourth, so kind of doing mm. the heavy lifting right now. Um, any other thoughts on the Eagles before we move on? I don't think so. Just, uh, you know, it's uh, certainly a win to build on. It's an exciting, it was a big opportunity with all the other teams losing in the division. You get uh, alone on top of the standings, and now they host the Commanders, who we'll get to later uh, in week four. And it's a good chance to get to 4 0 with a division win under your belt. Mm, but they lost that game last year. I know. I am sure they are aware of that. <laughs> are you sure? Are you positive? Um, I'm sure, no, I'm sure like that's like going to be a thing this week. Like, hey, we lost to this team last year at home, so we have to be sharp. We can't, you know, let this slip. Um, the um, great tweet from the Eagle Social Department, by the way, um, the DeAndre Swift, Jason Kelsey uh, thing um, that was like our favorite Kelsey Swift combo. Like that was like all day Monday. There was nothing but like Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, you know, jokes and content made like that was a unique and personal way to do it. So kudos to the Eagle social department for doing that. Um, okay. The Dallas Cowboys no longer first in our order because they lost on Sunday to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we talk about good teams when great teams cover, depending on where you look, they were 12, 13 point favorites. They lost by 12 points. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, a final touchdown to kind of like make it look bad. It wasn't, you know, like, it blew up late. Like they were never really in the game. Like from, from the moment they were kind of behind the eight ball. Um, they obviously did not, I don't know what, I know you were off on Sunday as far as Eagle stuff, but um, they did not play Tyler Biotis, their starting center. They did not play Zach Martin starting right guard. Obviously Trayvon Diggs towards ACL from the last or between the last time we recorded it. Now, obviously um, Tyron Smith did dress, uh, but did not play, uh, which, yeah. you know, was I have, I have a question about that. Sorry to jump in, but like, were they thinking like, oh, we can kind of afford to rest these guys? Maybe I was one. I, d I don't know that to be true. I'm just wondering from afar if that was the case. If like, were they trying to be extra cautious, thinking they could win without those guys? They haven't said that. Um, I well, wouldn't of course, you wouldn't that. admit that. But I'm curious <laughs> well, if like that's a sense that you may have gotten. Like, th if they if they if that was like the Super Bowl or like you know the Eagles game, like would they have gone? Do you think? Maybe. Um, I will. I would offer that. I would answer with a with a different kind of point of fact in in that week one they didn't play Tyler Smith right because it kind of felt like okay maybe we can get through this you know and buy him some time and then they didn't play Tyler Smith or Brandon Cooks in week two and like you know and this was a point I I've made at Blogger the Boys not that not to support the decision it obviously blew up in their face but they had logic and and reason to believe like hey look we we should be able to do this and they were wrong obviously but um you know i'm sure they thought let's let's power through let's get through we'll get you know we'll get the ball out quickly we'll work the run game etc cetera, etc cetera, and we'll be fine and they very clearly were not but it wasn't even just that like it wasn't just the the missing offensive lineman there are people who are still wondering why tyron dressed um i've surmised it's one of two things either one they wanted to get him dressed and, and you know have him work pregame and see if it worked and if it didn't oh well the other is that with two other offensive linemen inactive um, if an emergency had happened, maybe Tyron was the most like ready, able to go again in a true smash glass situation. He would have at the very least been in uniform as opposed to the others. But again, neither here nor there. Um, I mean, they were just, again, outdone the mighty defense that we were putting, you know, there was a long list of things that went wrong in, in the desert for the Cowboys, but um, I would not put the offense or the offensive red zone issues, which is like the talk of the town. Um, at the top, the defense just got worked and got worked over by Josh Dobbs. And interestingly enough, Jonathan Gannon, whose expertise obviously isn't on the offensive side of things, but obviously comes from the Eagles. I mean, they ran right at Micah Parsons. And Micah has talked a game of do it, do it, bring it at me. And it worked. It, <laughs> it completely and totally worked against them. Um, they had no answer. And yes, they were without Trayvon Diggs. And yes, it was a, a difficult week and an emotional week and in, in the aftermath of all that. But um, if you want to throw a blanket over everything, like a blanket kind of explanation, 
I th- I don't think it's unfair to say that they were feeling themselves that they they you know smelled the cheese they they bought in and they were kind of walking on water or thought they were because of the the way that they demolished the first two opponents of the season and they were caught you know unprepared they clearly overestimated the Cardinals and and I you can say what you want I think like people say like oh teams get up to play whatever I do think there is a tiny little thing to like you know teams like the cardinals who are small markets know they get a big window when they play the cowboys they they were hungry they wanted it more and they played like they did and they kicked the cowboys ass yeah it's not one of these things here you you talked about like it's a legitimate two-score loss it's not like oh you know Mm -hmm. late game touchdown some weird lateral you know thing no i mean and also yeah you're 12 point favorites 12 and a half point favorites you have to figure out a way to win this isn't like okay one score game something weird happened no you like you just got beat like flat out uh, 12 point loss and really you know it could have been a little bit worse from the standpoint of the cardinals go for those two point two two point conversions early in the game they don't get either of them things happen sure but i'm saying like you know it was like even if there was a little bit of if, even if they just go for extra points there you know you know it's okay 30 to 16 whatever um uh the run game concern is big <laughs> when you allow 220 the defensive yards, run game yeah, the, yeah. the 222 yards on 30 attempts, 7.4 average, and two touchdowns. I mean, specifically against, let's just say, like an Eagles team that can run the ball. Like, that's something that, you know, I'm looking at and I'm like, okay, that's a matchup that, you know, I'm not saying it's going to always hold up like that, but that's something that is going to be like, hmm, you know, I think I feel good about that going into a game against the Cowboys. That might be something that is there to exploit. But I guess the big thing, like you talked about, is the red zone offense. And Statistically, I've read different analysis analyses, if you will. Analysi. Analysi. That's definitely not a real word. That red zone offense, like we talk about defense year to year, not being sticky. Red zone offense, typically not. And so I think that could be some of the factor here to kind of be fair to the Cowboys. I think, you know, a lot of people want to say it's the coaching thing, but it's fair to point out that this year, the Cowboys so far in a small sample size ranked 27th in red zone efficiency after being first last year and the los angeles chargers coordinated by kellen moore were 18th last year and they're up to seventh this year so So, i think it's fair to wonder if that's a factor on this note um we did not i say we as in like um cowboys fans nobody really panicked over the lack of red zone efficiency against the jets and they're like i'm upset that people are now like reverse analyzing because it was fair you know within that game to say Look, they they were trying to be a little bit more conservative. They didn't, you know, they were trying not to play with fire. Like they had a big lead, they were kind of trying to ice the game. Like that 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 logic still stands to reason. Uh, but it's completely fair game to pick apart the way they played in the red zone in this particular game. A lot of people are upset at the lack of a PI call against Michael Gallup, um, who looked great by the way. Like this was Michael Gallup's sort of return to form. Like he he looked like the dude prior to the torn ACL, which he incidentally suffered against the Cardinals, um, which you know, was one of the lone positives to take away from the offensive showing. But yeah, I mean, like, it's a thing. Like, so whether you want to say like, oh, this is isolated to the Cardinals game, you know, the the lack of red zone conversions against the Giants and Jets were because of the big leads and whatever. Like, again, wherever you land on the discussion, now it's a thing. Like, because of the Cardinals game, because of the lack of showing, like, it is going to be a thing until you have, like, red zone success. So, like, on Sunday, if the Cowboys, you know, get to the red zone and they kind of falter against the Patriots, it will be, up oh, same old, same old. Um, there's a, a stat I uncovered. Shout out to our friends at Stathead um, that is emblematic of this. So, Brandon Aubrey uh, has been a, a great highlight of the Cowboys. Their rookie kicker. I don't know if you've seen the story that he was an MLS draft pick and all, all this sort of stuff. He's uh, very accustomed to kicking a ball professionally, but he is a, a rookie in the NFL. He has He's the only kicker in the Super Bowl era to attempt at least 10 field goals in his first three career NFL games and make all of them. But again, that's somewhat um, reflective of having those opportunities. And he's had so many opportunities because the Cowboys have struggled to convert in the red zone. But still cool um, that the Cowboys have that, you know, going for them. But yeah, they they have to, you know, they, they have to get in the end zone. That's real. That's the name of this game. You could, even if the defense wasn't terrible, you can have the best defense in the world. But if you're just getting there and only taking three, like that's going to come back to haunt you. You mentioned the Eagles can run the ball. Next Sunday, the Cowboys visit the 49ers. They can run the ball. After that, they visit those Chargers on Monday Night Football. Austin Eckler, I know, is dealing with injury, but, like, they can, you know, have a lot of success. Like, this is going to get tough for the Cowboys if they can't figure this out in an overall perspective. Attack interception was obvious to say very bad. I mean, because even if Kaiser White isn't there, like, 
It's just I, it's hard to see what he saw on that play when there was the three pickers, bodies there. The, the also, really shout gross. out former Eagle Kaiser White who was talking trash to Dak before that was it. Before shout that out Michael play? Peterson who made you believe in him uh, with what he wrote at Bolts from the Blue. Uh, way back. So, but that was a big play. Um, that pick was that. bad, but like the idea that it like lost the game is so silly. Like you know, they had I think they had an eleven percent win probability at that point in time, and it dropped to one. Obviously, it after ended the, the game. It didn't like it, it did. The only but reason my, they lost. My point is like it was already you know they were already like heavily down. You know what I mean? Um, two things, and then I'm done with the Cowboys. I have one I, more question. Once you're done, well, I'll let you go first. Just a question. <clears throat> Just an answer. Not something to say. It's definitely true, but questioning. Answer. Were the Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore acquisitions overhyped? I think it's way too early to say that. This was a right, bad that's game. That's why for... it's a question. It's not it's... a statement. I think Brandon Cooks looked great in week one, didn't play in week two, um, had seven targets and only two receptions in this game. But again, the Cowboys just kind of overmatched offensively, which was weird. Uh, but I mean, some of that, you know, maybe Jonathan Gannon isn't the dumbest person in the world. Um, you know, so I don't know. All but right, let's uh... see how many games the Cardinals <laughs> um... win this year before we say that. Well, let's see if they beat the Eagles. That would be so funny. I would love that so much. Uh, but anyway, um, I mean, not not a great game for Brandon Cooks, but not a great game for the offense in a lot of ways. Um, and the Stephon Gilmore thing, it's, you know, I, he was a stock down for me in, in my stock report. And I wrote this, and I said this about a lot of people because the context is so necessary, but like, it's kind of unfair. Or at least it was that game to to be down on Brandon, or excuse me, on Stephon Gilmore because the Cowboys didn't trade for him to be, their star cornerback, right? They traded for him to be the running mate, the Trayvon Diggs. And, you know, circumstances have changed. And, you know, Stefan's got a rise to the occasion. Like, I'm not shying away from that. But th this was not the role that he was, you know, designed to fulfill for the Cowboys. And so it's it's hard to hold that against him. In the same way, I had Deron Blaine as a stock down for me. And he, you know, kicked to the outside after, you know, he's, he's their slot corner. But, like, mm -hmm. you know, so it's hard to say, like, oh, you were really bad at doing the thing that you weren't expected to do. But you have to do it now. And so that's just, it's kind of a catch-22 thing. Um, two things for me, like I said, one, I assume you kept a watchful eye on this game at the very least, um, near the end of the third quarter, Cowboys down by eight points. Mike McCarthy decides to go for it on fourth and three from the Arizona four yard line. I ran a poll at our site asking people if they agreed with that. Overwhelmingly, people would have preferred a field goal. Granted, we have the benefit of hindsight, but um, I, I'm generally uh, an aggressive person, but I wanted mm. the field goal in that moment because it was so they were, it was pulling teeth on offense. I, mm. I felt like, get those three points. You have a quarter and change to go and then go take the lead, but whatever. So curious for your take. I'm always going to be in favor of going for it, even if the data is a little against it. I just think it's, you, it's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's like you have to, the, some people have said, you have to marry the analytics. You can't just date them. Like you have to sure. marry the mindset. So if that means sometimes being wrong and being aggressive, I will live with that. I think you, I, I can't go, I can't go and be like, well, uh, it's such a bummer that we did everything we possibly could to try to, to win the game. I can't feel bad about that. That's fair. Um, and I'm fine. Like committing to that. Right. And like committing to the mindset and like sometimes it being the lesser approved decision mathematically or from a data standpoint, which this was technically, um, you know, but I'd rather live, you know, with this side of the coin or on this side of the coin, I guess. You play um, to win. Oh, shut game. up. Anyway, uh, last thing. I told you I wanted to bring up something on Tony Pollard. Um, so Tony Pollard, we're now through week three, leads the NFL in carries. Um, he has 62 carries so far this Yikes. season. <laughs> Obviously, it's a massive workload, especially for him. Um, so he also has 12 receptions on the season. So he's got 74 total touches. So I did this last week because um, I spoke to Tony Pollard. It's an interview everyone can go listen to at Blog on the Voice if they want. Uh, he has a partnership with Chili's. You like Chili's? I'm a big – I think we've talked about that. Big Chili's fan. Yeah, Chili's is great. Um, I mean, we already gave them their love, but, you know, on the show. So anyway. Um, What's your favorite so, thing from Chili's? Um, the Honey Chipotle Chicken Crispers. Oh, with yeah. the waffle? Or they serve them on like the, the mini waffles? Or at least no, I've had um, those there. I, I just like the honey chipotle chicken crispers, the fries. I like the corn on the cob, but um, I went to the dentist this morning. Um, mm. So I'm going to, I'm not saying this because of that, but I like to cut the corn off of the cob. And That's then, fair. like, you know what I mean? I don't want to eat it, you know, but I, I'm usually there with people, you know, it's, you know what it's like eating the corn on the cob. But anyway, I like the, uh, the burgers are really good. And then the um, chicken bacon ranch quesadillas. That's oh, those are a winner. Great, definitely. great call. Um, hey, Chili's, we're looking for an official sponsor here on the mixer. Sure. So, uh, so 74 total touches, uh, for Tony Pollard again, 62 carries. So I was curious last week and obviously curious this week, Zeke Elliott, obviously kind of the poster boy for heavy workload during his time with the Cowboys, uh, Zeke's rookie year in 2016, he had 76 total touches through the first three games of the season. So two more than Pollard's currently at 
but all of his other seasons in Dallas, he had fewer than Pollard has now. Through you know what I'm saying through the first three games of each of those seasons. Um, I tweeted this out. So my point is like Tony Pollard is literally getting more work this season than Zeke Elliott ever did, um, save for his rookie year during his time in Dallas, when he himself was like the workload dude of mm -hmm. all dudes in the NFL. Um, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's not sustainable and like sound the alarm, but like I do think it is something to watch. Definitely, yeah, file it away, something to watch, like red flag kind of territory, especially because Pollard's really never been that guy. Like that's why, in part, earlier in his career, you weren't using him in that way. Oh, and part of it, Zeke is there, but part of it's like, I think the name of Tony Pollard's game is that more of an efficiency guy than a total workhorse volume guy. Obviously, he's proving he can handle that to this point, but I do wonder what that looks like over the course of a season. And also, this is beyond this year, so more of a long-term thing, but like, what does that look like for him as he's entering you know, a contract year again next offseason? And do you want to pay that guy again? That's something you have to figure out down the road, but uh, it is something worth monitoring. It's shades of, and I brought it up right now because I, I saw I uncovered it before we right before we started recording. I'm going to write about this as well. Uh, but shades of Demarco Murray, obviously, like you know, like people say, like run him into the ground, contract year kind of thing. And in a unique way, it makes a little bit of sense if you buy into that, in that he doesn't have like or he has a lot of tread on the tires, right? Like so you you might as well like he's much more fresh for a running back entering or in their fifth year than the average uh, person is. So. Just kind of an interesting phenomenon to that I'll be monitoring at least um, throughout the season at Blog on the Voice. But um, I guess we might as well take a break. Do you want to do that? Let's take a break right now. All right, welcome back, back here on the NFC East mixtape. RJ, I want to ask you. Break, I want to ask you something. You told wanna... me. What do you, you want to ask me? <laughs> no, you can ask me first. I don't want to ruin this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I I didn't have anything. You can ask me. Um. What is your take on uh, Peacock offering a reboot of The Office? I don't know if you knew that that was a thing. So I saw that on Instagram, one of those, you know, aggregated posts you'll see, which I don't, you know, I, I, I don't even fully believe those all the time. I feel like a lot of misinformation right. gets spread. So I didn't, I meant to go check that, but because I was busy yesterday with a lot of Eagles game prep, I didn't actually Google the article or the source for that. I just happened to see it. So I feel like I would need to know more details before I can actually tell you how I feel like who's involved with this. What like I don't I don't know anything about it. Um, while I respect your willingness um, to gather information, um, the fact that you aren't immediately opposed to this is a big red flag. Like well, I don't care what involved. That's I, even deal. if he is, I mean, like, do you think he is? He, is he wasn't not. even in, he wasn't I even involved know. in the final seasons of the show. I mean, I so would like, guess what? Not, but I don't. I need to see it. Presuming he is not. It's a horrible idea. Stop rebooting things. Enough. We don't need it. Just give us reality TV. In fact, Brandon, the day that you and I are speaking is a great day. Uh, or the day that this episode's dropping, Wednesday, September 27th. Survivor is back. Hmm. I expect uh, I'm excited. More well, excitement. we're dropping yeah. it, I think, a little bit earlier than you. I, I'm excited, but I'm also so behind uh, on my preseason podcasting that I'm not ready for it to start. So I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it until Friday. So don't this, spoil it for me. I won't. But it's a heavy time of year. So we got Survivor coming back, the amazing race coming as well. Um, and I think it drops on Thursday, um, the newest season of Lego Masters, which I highly recommend. Um, have you ever given this a shot? I don't. I feel like it's don't have the time to add that in. It's great. Um, I'm, you know, I pretend that I watch it because I have a young son and he'll, you know, he's kind of getting into Legos now. Um, so it's like, oh, I watch it for it. But now, like, my wife and I love this thing. Like, it is so, dude, the challenges, like, that they come up with are so unique. I, like, I can't believe the creativity they have just in the challenge, let alone, like, what the people do with it. So, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, we went to Legoland when we were in California. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Heard good things. Yeah. Um, not exactly like a, a ride filled, you know, trip because, you know, Kid, you know, kid's a baby, but still, like, very, very cool stuff to see. Um, the Washington Commanders, undefeated, no more. The wow. Sam Howell hype is over. Mm -hmm. 37 to 3, the final score, uh, as the Buffalo Bills uh, hand Josh Harris his first loss as the owner of the Washington Commanders. Um, it's kind of interesting how Magic is getting all the attention. Like, I understand why, but it's like, well, who wrote the biggest check here? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, but whatever. Um, this was this was never close. Like this this was um, just a, a huge. Just I still don't buy the into the Bills long term. But this was a huge. Like we're the Bills, you're the Commanders, and order is restored. Kick the field goal. 
at the end just so they didn't get shut out. I don't respect that. I think that's lame. I think you have to go for the touchdown still. Anyway, uh, but it doesn't matter. The point is, you and I, I think it's fair to say, I'll speak for you here, we're not buying into the command. I mean, no one was really buying into the commanders, I believe. I don't think after... commanders fans. I think commanders fans are like, this is fun. We're just going to ride this till the wheels fall off kind of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not saying they were like totally buying in, but it was like, well, I'm just kind of living in the moment, enjoying it. Why not? They're 2-0. But this was the reality check for the commanders. And I the phrases I've been using in the past weeks were like, this is not needle moving. This does not change the equation for the commanders just because they beat the Cardinals and they beat the Broncos, who, yikes, that team looks really bad. Uh, so and, and they barely beat them. They almost lost to them or almost went to overtime at the end there. So, yeah, I mean, the commanders are who we thought they were in that they are not the very worst team in the NFL, but they are closer to that than being actually good. And I would say that this was a surprising performance to me for Sam Howell. It did seem like he had shown some promise. It seemed like, okay, maybe Eric Bieniemy, who I think is overrated, was you know having some things going there for the commanders. But when you get blanked like this, I mean, you kind of already talked about it with the Giants, you know, in week one. It's just, but what do you even say? Like, what, what do you even point to after a game like this? It's, it, like, teams lose, sure. You have bad losses sometimes, ugly losses. You lose 37 to three, or basically almost 37 to zero. It's just not really impressive. And now you have a, a road game against the Eagles coming up, and all of a sudden that 2-0 start could quickly become potentially 2-2. Two and two. Uh, But that's why you got to win the bad games, right? Like, or the easy games, you know, because – you're gonna you're gonna run into these, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not out on, and I don't think you are either. I know what you said when you spoke for us. Um, this team maybe being like a wild card, you know what I mean? Like they've got you know that kind I mean, of. I I'm out potential. on that. <laughs> I'm not. Um, but I mean, seven seed at most, maybe, but no. Sure. No. They, they flirted with it last year. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't be out on it at this point. I mean, you can't be out on really anyone except for the like the Bears. You know what I mean? I'm being a wild card. Um, I'm gonna say I'm out on it. I mean, I the NFC teams that I would put above the Commanders right now. Like, how many would I put? Like a bunch. I mean, there's would, only I saw so my power rankings. Would, you put, the, would have, you put the Vikings? Yeah, the only teams put, I have below. Can I guess? Command, can I guess the NFC teams you have below? Yes, the Bears. Um, yes. and, and the Panthers, that might be it. And then the Giants. Oh, and I actually mm-hmm. have the Cardinals below them too, because I had the Cardinals last in my rankings last week, but it's literally just one spot, I think. And they, and they also lost or sorry, they sure. beat the Cardinals. So I'll give right, them right, that right. Tiebreak. Although it was close, but yeah. Um, sure. Uh, man, we're like, this season is setting up for like a Jonathan Gannon, like 40 to nothing over the Eagles. Please. I need it so bad. No, it's I'm, ju- I'm, re- I'm just trying to manifest it at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, this was tough. This was a tough scene, but like, this was like, this was pr- again, like, I don't, I don't think there's any You're real shame home. here. Now, I, I still don't think there's you any shame. Thirty-seven to three. That's, what do you mean? It's no shame. You got no destroyed. because like they're they're not there. Like you know what I mean? Like they're 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 punching above their weight at this point. Like you know why like, they're not there in large part because that offensive line is a sieve. Like they're not stopping anyone, and that's a really interesting thing coming into this week's matchup against the Eagles. I mean, that's going to be a it could get ugly for them. Last year, they had that game in what in Washington, well, Landover, Maryland. That I think Carson Wentz got sacked like nine times or whatever. I mean, this could be another one of those games. Uh, I have a stat here from Ralph Vacciano who says Commanders quarterback Sam Howell was pressured on 27 of his 39 dropbacks. That's 69.2%, and that is the second highest pressure rate in a game they've ever recorded. Um. Last thing for me, uh, did you listen to Monday Football Monday? I know you said you're behind on podcasts. Yes. Did what did you? You're I'm behind on my per- Survivor podcast okay, okay, specifically. Okay. Um, you are um, you're you're way more familiar with the East Coast than I am, obviously. That's um, true. What did you make of Mark Schofield saying that it was weird how the Bills used like Old Bay to make fun of the Commanders? Mm. That granted that this loss, you know, was in the state of Maryland, but like it is something I agreed with Mark again. I don't, I don't have the geographical perspective, but like that is way more associated with the Ravens than it is the commanders. I don't think it's like insane. Like, where did you think, where did you possibly come up with that from? But it is, I think not the right move to make. I, I, and I did think about it in this vein. I was actually listening to that podcast and I thought like, well, what would be an example of that? That's like trolling Philly about like pizza. Like Philadelphia has good pizza, in my opinion, really good pizza, but it's like, Mm. it's not like Philadelphia's, thing as opposed to new york so it'd be like you know if if you did something like i don't think that was a good example eagles like that i don't think that was a good it's along those lines though i think it's something that's like close geographically and yeah they have it maryland uh or um 
the DMV, whatever, DC has that, but they have some of that Maryland influence, but it's not their thing. But they DC are doesn't Maryland. They really have a thing that's, other than. That's what I'm saying. Like, they, they have. I like they what are... you said about the, the politics thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> but if I you're going to. You meant it like you said it. It was like they should just drop a hot politics take. No, I, well, no, yeah, I didn't mean like uh, like a literal politics take, but like if you're gonna troll, you know, the Ravens, like again, I'm cool with the old day thing. Like that makes a lot of sense. Like if you want to make any kind of crab joke or whatever, that's fine. But if you're gonna troll the Commanders, like you have to, it has to be like politically related, not in a real sense, but like you have to make some sort of like funny political joke or whatever. Be like, oh, guess the Commanders voted wrong. I, that's that's a horrible. <laughs> that's terrible. It's a horrible one. Um, but you get my point. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Um, to the first game that was played in week three, the New York Giants completely and totally out of their element. Uh, this game was so long ago in the rearview mirror that I don't know that we have to like really analyze it, but they did lose to the Niners 30 to 12. Um, no Saquon. Um, Daniel Jones was awful. Um, just, I mean, and I, I don't really blame them. I mean, because, you know, I mean, like they're bad, but like they were up against what I think right now is clearly the best team in the NFL. And the like the 49ers are the one team Dallas was as of a week ago, but like the one team that has looked like a monster. You know what I mean? From game one through now, granted, we're only three weeks in, but they they look the they have the least amount of demerits associated with them. And so losing to them is hardly anything to be embarrassed about. At least in the NFC, you know, I think you can argue the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins that's a great top spot. That's a great point. But, um, yeah, I mean, we talked about this game for the SB Nation NFL show on TGI Football the day after. So, yeah, I'm not going to rehash a lot of it. But, I mean, the Giants aren't in a good spot here. And speaking of teams with offensive line issues, so are they. <laughs> like, the Commanders have their issues, but so do the Giants. Evan Neal is very much not making that leap. I was reading through Big Blue View, and there's actually an article up there right now by our, our friend Ed Valentine about the offensive line being in disarray there. I think it's something to the effect of like the offensive line is the only issue, but that's where the problems start with right now. So I think they're getting a little bit healthier there moving forward. I don't know if that's going to make a big difference for them. Obviously, Andrew Thomas has missed some time and that's, you know, important, but I don't really see the equation changing here for the Giants where they upcoming, they have the Seahawks this week. Then they get the Dolphins in Miami next week. And then they play the Bills in Buffalo the week after that. So, I mean, even if, let's say, they beat the Seahawks, who, I mean, that's not a guarantee to me. The Seahawks, like... I don't think it's anything close to a guarantee. I mean, the Seahawks... The Seahawks Seahawks are favored by one and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Where do you have the Seahawks in your power rankings? I have them right behind Dallas. I have have them, like, nine and ten around there. They're a top ten team to me right now. I mean... I just don't see any way that they're going to contend. But, man, like, what a horrible, horrible primetime schedule. Let's give them that win, though. I'm saying let's give them that win. Okay, they're 2-2. and Okay, then you get the Dolphins and the Bills. (laughs) So you're, like, staring 2-4 and in the face there. But you are giving them – by the way, the Seahawks have a bye after this coming game. That's already, like, wow. Uh, But – don't give them that win, right? Like, like play because that, like, let's I'm, be I'm fair. not saying the. I'm just no, I know, but like being nice to that. Let's say they can win one of the, even if you win one of the next three games, which I think they, would be very good for them. I understand your still point. Two and four. I understand your point, but they probably won't. So they'll be one and three, one and four, one and five, um, hosting the commanders who are better than them, right? Right, you know, at least, but you fall to one and five. Like, I think we're close to like, we're, we're like getting in the territory of like big loser energy with the Giants. Like Brian Dable is kind of getting a little testy. You know what I mean? Like we're getting close to like some, some infighting. You know what I mean? It, like it's, it, it puts you in a weird scene. spot because it's like, what do the Giants do? Because they've already kind of, they're pot committed. Like they committed to the core they have. They re signed Daniel Jones, they re signed Saquon Barkley. They have Darren Waller here. They, they gave him a big contract. They, they re-signed Andrew Thomas. So you kind of have your core in place here, but you're not good enough. And you feel really good about the coach you hired last year. So, like, what do you do? What do you like? What's the what do you what's the change that you make? Or is heart, it just a matter of riding it out and feeling like we're going to double down on what we have? We feel like it was just a bad year, and we'll be better next year. I think you have to accept that you over-delivered or over-performed last year. And, like, that's that's the part, like, that's the difficult thing to accept when you're in the middle of a rebuild. When you, when you like, outperform your expectation in year one, then you change your expectation for year two. Is it, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you start a rebuild, you set expectations for year one, year two, year three, whatever. Just because your expectations were exceeded in year one doesn't change what should have been the fair expectations for year two. But they did that. You know what I'm saying so that now every Giants fan got a taste of all this and they're like, what's going on? How can we suck again? It's like, well, you you kind of still sucked. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it like you it need was to con- one good like half of a season. 
you need to that's context- really what you're writing right on. And, and you need to contextualize all of this so like it doesn't mean that a rebuild has to happen again it doesn't mean that you have to like start over start from scratch it just means that you have you to accept they can't they can't but, do that but i don't are. think that they need to either like you have to just accept where you're at and be patient but that's like that i agree that that might be the best thing but that's just not even how teams operate right like some, some something bad happens something has to change the cowboys did it with kellen moore like when even when you have like success at some level it's like something bad has to like there needs to be a quarterback change uh coaching change something and it just feels like the giants aren't really gonna do that and can't do that Tough i guess though you can change the coordinators they'll probably you know get rid of wink martindale or whatever mike kafka was getting head coach interviews this past off season maybe he, he's fired too i don't know but um it's just it's a tough spot to be in because like what it just feels like you can't really do much other than hope they dig themselves out of the hole they're in somehow but it doesn't look like they're having a great path to doing that we have three nfc east games this week because the commanders are visiting the eagles obviously that's two teams in one game so going chronologically that one's happening first um the commanders and eagles kick off at noon central obviously one eastern um i love it a one o'clock eagle start one of the only three they have i think this season uh i love it it is nice um coming off back to back three o'clock windows like it just you know i'm grateful that the sunday night games haven't been that great this week and that it also isn't great this week um i mentioned the the, well thursday night's gonna be awesome the lions at lambo but uh sunday night is the chiefs and jets and monday night is the giants Mm. so tough scene but anyway eagles are um as of tuesday at lunchtime eight point favorites according to our friends at DraftKings sportsbook there's no reason to not take this right now or not give the eight points right now the eagles again are proving that even if they're having an off game offensively they can cover against the bad teams and washington is one of those yeah i don't think there's a trap game element here with that thing i talked about earlier the eagles lost at home to this team last year that is very much like a jalen hurts is going to bring that up he was you know focused on how he didn't beat the bucks in their playoff loss to them a couple years ago i don't think this team is going to catch them by surprise i do think that offensive line mismatch is going to be a big issue for the commanders so I I think this might be my honestly yeah I'm gonna say it now this is gonna be my lock of the week for the SB Nation NFL show for uh, TGI football I mean I just think the Eagles are going to beat this team comfortably we hit on all thing, of our locks sorry, the, last week the only thing that's going against them is it's a short week for them but like I think they can figure it out short week at home though um you know like yep. the, this this game is at home mm-hmm. uh but um yeah um tough scene. Uh, for the commanders yeah we'll see uh anyway uh next up in chronological order the dallas cowboys opened as six and a half point favorites at home against the patriots they that is up to seven now as of lunchtime on tuesday so seven point favorites the cowboys are against the patriots patriots coming off their first win of the season last week uh zeke elliott's return um did you see this floating around on tuesday morning the cowboys are changing their hand signals uh, because will greer is now um a part of the patriots organization obviously and zeke as well as you well, said, I know. But I'm I mean, like the I've right. seen both of those things get brought up, which is funny to me. Like, what's Zeke gonna say to the the Patriots anyway? It's a running back. Um, that's true. But still, I mean, you know, the expression that was used, I thought I thought this was interesting, was uh Zeke knows where a lot of the bones are buried. Um, not not often you hear that expression these days. So unless you work in archaeology, I guess. But I could be wrong, um, but Zeke doesn't strike me as like a mastermind, is all I'm saying. Um, incredibly intelligent football player. Um I'm going to give the points here. Um, I, I mean, you're giving, you know, not taking. Correct. I'm giving the points. Uh, I'll take in the Cowboys um, and laying the points. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving the points, giving the seven points. Um, I just, part of it is I just don't trust the Patriots. Um, I mean, they, it took like all of their strength to beat the, the lowly almost, offensive almost, Jets. Almost lost on the final um, play. And so I think this is a, a great get-right opportunity for the Cowboys. Um, I think Zeke's going to score. Um, I, I, maybe we'll use uh, this as our um, our, our same-game parlay game um, on TJ Football. And if so, that's yeah, definitely going to be, yeah, be my leg. Uh, anytime score, Zeke, I don't know what the odds are right now. But, um, but yeah, so I think Zeke's going to score. But I think the Cowboys win. I think they cover. I think they get to 3-1. and one, And then that kind of relights and rekindles our intensity and our focus for next week's Cowboys 49ers game. I do think there could be a propensity to overreact to the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals. I do think some of the things about the Cowboys loss were not necessarily concerning moving forward in that. I think the offensive line, assuming these injuries aren't worse than I understand to be, will be better once some of these guys are back in the lineup. Obviously, offensive line depth is a real concern, was entering the season. So 
We'll see how that goes if these guys tweak anything and get re-injured. But I'm going to take the points here. I think the Cowboys win the game, but the Patriots, I don't think are like good, but I do think they're good enough where they can kind of muck it up a little bit. Saw them do that against the Eagles. They even did that against the Dolphins, who clearly like look really good here. Uh, had a chance to kind of make things interesting at the end of that game if a spot gets ruled a little bit differently with that Cole Strange lateral and everything. So uh, I think the Patriots will find a way to make the game competitive, but I do think the Cowboys will win in advance to three and one. My other prediction is that the postgame press conference is um, like a soundbite that's used forever for Micah Parsons, like a, like to describe him. Like Bill Belichick's going to say something like incredibly like glowing about Micah Parsons. And, like, you know how sometimes he has like great reverence for players. Um, like, like he's always like loved DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, he has like players that he just like loves to show affection for. So um, I think that we're going to get a good Micah Parsons soundbite. Uh, last one. Uh, it's the last game of the week. Thankfully, it is um, the only Monday night game. I actually just realized. That Chiefs-Jets game on Sunday night is at MetLife. Uh, so for the second time in four weeks, the Sunday night football game is at MetLife Stadium and the Monday night football game is at MetLife Stadium. Why? Who? What? Like, what? Who wants this? Um, but whatever. It's it's like some stadiums are great to watch games at on TV. MetLife is not one of those. You know what I mean? Like, I don't enjoy the experience Why? whatsoever. It is too, like, corporate looking. It has no, like, distinct features. It is corporate looking. That's fair. Um, but anyway... I don't know if you said that the Seahawks are one and a half point favorites. The Giants are one and a half point favorites against the Seahawks Whoa. at home. Yeah. I guess I misread that then. Yeah. yeah. Um, what? Why? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> why? 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 What? What about the Seahawks? Okay. Home, the three point home field one. advantage. That, that's the that's the why. I mean, to answer the question. But, but that, like, I mean, even so, I don't understand. I mean, the Giants have looked terrible this year. And the Seahawks had a bad week one, but have looked good since then and their offense has looked dynamite you know what i mean the last two weeks and the giants offense has looked horrible um, and they won on the road in detroit like that was really like i thought good and, and they look good in that game it's not like they can't win on the road <laughs> I, I, I i don't mean, know this I mean, is I mean, this I'm is almost free money my eagles pick yeah i mean they're like you should someone <laughs> this is this is my lock of the week baby yeah, yeah honestly do it yeah, I'm going to lock it up. Um, on Again, yeah, everyone should listen to TJ Football on the SB Nation NFL show. But, um, yeah, this yeah. is free. Um, this is I, I mean, stupid. This line's going to shift. This line's going to shift by – the Seahawks are going to be favored. I mean, Take this line no, now because the Seahawks are going to be favored by the end of the week. By the, by well, it might, it might change by the time this episode's out um, on Wednesday too. But, like, mm -hmm. maybe this is an indication – again, I'm not saying this would justify it for me, but, like, Saquon's back. You know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever. Uh, but it's no. still not enough. Um, so, yeah, we're both taking the Seahawks, obviously. So then we – uh, have the Cowboys and Eagles as the only two teams getting the win in week four. Uh, so the division would look like 4-0 Eagles, Cowboys 3-1, and Commanders 2-2, two and, two and, two, two, and then Giants 1-3. Giants one one three. Three. Um, all right. Uh, it is time to add the latest batch of songs. I had one last thing uh, uh, that I forgot on the dumb, Eagles real quick. I, I want to get your was, take on this. It was so perfect and symmetrical, I know. and then you just like took us out of order. Well, I forgot. I wanted to mention real quick: Eagles having red zone issues of their own. I think they went one right. for five. Although one of the, the one of those drives ended in the red, that was the end of the game. Like they weren't trying to score. So, kind of um, weird, you know, I so like I'm not saying this to cope as a Cowboys fan. Like there's a lot of ways I cope, but this is not one of them. Um, it does seem like scoring is just down. Like unless you're the Dolphins, right? Like the Dolphins have scored enough for everybody. Statistically, that's yeah. true. I for the one of my link articles, I believe it was on Sunday. I linked to an article that passing numbers specifically are just down around the nfl entirely it's like historically like if you look at some of the context there you can check out the article i linked to on bgn but yeah that's just not that's not just a feel thing that is statistically borne out it, well and so like people say all the time like it takes three weeks a month you know for you know the like nfl regular season preseason effect to kind of you know wear itself out and then you know when, once october hits obviously the best month um you know the football kind of stabilizes a little bit um so we'll see if that you know that historical field trend um does kind of take um but we'll see um okay so wait a just one more like, thing oh what do you i mean that wasn't even the thing i wanted to talk about the oh thing. i thought that was the thing okay, the main just... thing is what are your feelings on the tush push um i understand why some people think it's like hokey or whatever um but i'm an, at least i try to be an objective and logical person and so like objectively and logically if it works for what you need it to work for why are why is everyone not doing it like it, it and like i i think it's dumb 
to get annoyed by it because you have every right to do it yourself. You know, like, right. And I, the, the part that is the most annoying is that every time it happens, we have to hear how many pounds Jalen Hurts squats. Like that is so irrelevant to Steagles. Like, yeah. But like that is so irrelevant to what is actually so, happening. And I'm not trying to take away from it's Jalen not irrelevant. Hurts. It's definitely like a factor. All I'm saying is like, it is one of the smaller factors involved. Like if you want to tell me how many pounds uh, Jason Kelsey squats okay let's hear that um but like you know a lot of teams could do it just as effectively or come close to it from well you would think but there's evidence that suggests otherwise my good friend jimmy kemsky has an article about this on phillyvoice.com where he highlighted some other teams trying to do that so far this season and have not had success with it uh jordan love famously couldn't even like line up right on it or like tackle his guard so I, my thing is just like, I don't understand, like, where's the basis that it should be illegal? Like, it's just, just because the Eagles are good at it. Like, that's, that's not fair. <laughs> like, that's not fair that you just, t- well, they're good at this thing. Well, Patrick Mahomes is good at throwing the football. So with his right hand. So now he has to do it with his left. Like, and honestly, you could probably still do that. And has I hate when, points, but when rules no get basis. changed, I hate when rules get, so like, I haven't seen who the, the, like, if there's a team that is like arguing for the for, for there to be a rule change, right? Like I haven't seen like a single team that is like the face of this. Um, but I hate when a team is like the face of making a rule change, like the Bills and the overtime coin toss. Like, and the quarterback rule. Um, that's Sean, a little bit more. Sean that's, Payton and, that's more and unique though. That, and I was the, gonna I was gonna bring up the Saints and the the pass interference and the reviewable thing. And then we all have to suffer because the Saints were mad or the Bills were mad. Like that annoys me more. The Niners thing that improves everyone like that's one of those rare things where it's like a win for everybody um you know in the event that you need it but um yeah i i guess the other my other like the tush push is a lame name let's come up with a better name for it you know what i mean like i don't have a suggestion but that's a lame name it would not change a freaking thing if you outlawed it anyway because the eagles are still really good at sneaking the ball it's just so dumb it's just like it just seems like people hate the eagles or are mad that it works like i don't i don't understand what other basis there is to hate that it's not a football play what does that even mean? It's literally happening in a football game and it's a play. So it literally is a football play. It's not, do, not a football. Um, what, how is football not like big dudes in the trenches pushing against each other? That is a lot of football. Like, I don't understand the arguments against it. It's just so – it's. I don't even like talking about it. In part, I brought it up here because I wanted to get your take on it. I don't I'm like talking how about, you it. Felt yeah, about it. I never – we yeah. never really talked about that. So I kind of want – and also because you're coming from a standpoint of where like – I can get accused of, oh, I'm a homer because I like it and the Eagles are good at it. If it's, I wanted to get your take on it because you would not be accused of that. But I just, I genuinely don't get the outrage about it. I feel like I would within, feel like that way even if the Cowboys were doing it. I just don't, it's not illegal. If it's within, like that would be like being upset about like, oh, well, how come the, the Cowboys get to line Micah Parsons up a defensive tackle? Like, you know what I mean? Like whatever. It's like, you know, if it's freaking if it's Diana with, Rossini is out here tweeting, should there be a limit on how many times they do it per game? Like, what are we talking about? That's so stupid. Shut up um that's so stupid why if it's within the rule book like i have no problem stretching within the farthest corners of the rule book like i'm i'm all for that um and in a similar sense this i'm gonna do the brandon thing and bring up one more thing um in a similar sense it's not this isn't within the rule book but if you're not pushing it the like quick start you know movement from the offensive line the lane johnson play um I do want like that false start was atrocious. The the non call against. I Tampa. think that was a legitimate. That no, point. that was that was a horribly. I'm saying that is a start. legitimate bone to pick with that play, but that is not what he does on the other plays. That one he was legitimately early. That is no, not but the I, same I thing he does on the other plays. That's different. I understand that he he times things correctly, but that does often lead to like. You know, if you want to get like intense about it, like a microscopic false start every now and then, whatever. And I do wonder, based on how flagrant the miss was, the missed call, obviously, on Monday night, the same way Jawan Taylor's now got like the FBI watching him for, you know, what I mean? like for false starts. Well, he's I also want... lining up in like way far back, which is a whole nother thing. No, that's part of it, too. But like, you, like, again, this we've seen this happen with other instances in the NFL where like one player gets like a rap for something and then like it just it, it, it never goes away. Like officials are like on the hunt for it because they've been told that they've had their attention raised. So like I do wonder, I'm curious to see if Lane Johnson's called for a false start on Sunday against the commanders. Like that's that's kind of my point. Like if there is this like, 
okay, like if Ron Rivera this week is like, guys, I don't know if you know this, Antonio Gibson, basically Christian McCaffrey, but also Lane Johnson, he moves early. Make sure you're paying attention to that on Sunday afternoon. I'm sure teams have highlighted that. It's, you know, if people are talking about it. I'm sure coaches are as well and submitting that. But guess what? They're also just not going to call it on every play. That's the reality. That's like, that was the Seahawks mindset in their, you know, Legion of Boom era when it was like, they're not going to call pass interference every play. So we're just going to do it a lot of the time. And sometimes they will, and some of the times they won't. And it's going to work out for us ultimately. It is time to add our songs to the NFC East mixtape playlist. Rachelle, always early, uh, got hers in. She has chosen No Problem by Chance the Rapper and Lil Wayne. An excellent selection. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You can go first. Um, I would like you to slack it to me, yours, uh, right now, because I will forget and forget to add it. Um, So that way I have it um, to reference. Um, You have kind of chosen, I would say, weekly anthems for the Eagles. Um, You know what I mean? Like, you know, this is kind of how I'm feeling about the Eagles. Right. Uh, The anthem, a great song in and of itself by Good Charlotte. Not my song um, that I'm choosing. I'm going to go with Anything Could Happen by Ellie Goulding, uh, Mm. because that's how this past week felt. In the NFL, I wouldn't say it was a week of upsets, but it was a week of weird results. Cowboys, obviously, chief among them. Uh, the Colts beating the Ravens. Uh, I know you enjoyed that very much. Um, what else was weird? Um, I mean, the, I mean, everything was weird. I mean, the Browns blew out the Titans. Like the Browns' offense woke up and came alive. It was kind of a boring NFL week in general. You know, it, it wasn't riveting, and I'm I want to be riveted. So, uh, anything could happen by Ellie Golden is my choice. Uh, I was between two. Um, I was going to do the happier one. I'm going to do the actually the more uh, it's a little more of a sad song or downbeat, but um, it's called One More Time. It's actually Blink-182's new hit single that they just released last week, I believe. New album coming out in October. Excited for that. Um, not to bring the pod down a little bit, but to bring the pod down a little bit, I went to my grandmother's funeral on Sunday and she was my last remaining grandparent. She had a great life. Uh, shout out to Gran, 91 years old. Um, single mother for a large portion of her life having six kids never drove rj got around the entire country even though she never had a driver's license um great lady and um you know again lived a great life but uh i think i was just feeling very contemplative and you know introspective over the weekend and thinking about how you know life is short i know we say that a lot that's cliche but it's true um so you kind of just have to take you know, the time to appreciate the people here and the moments that you have, the, you know, the wins, such as when your team wins and whatnot, and really enjoy those things. The Eagles are 3-0. and It's a nice time. Doesn't necessarily guarantee anything in the future moving forward. But right now, I'm going to enjoy that. And uh, yeah, one more time. I think there's uh, just been thinking a lot about a lot of different things that that song relates to and about how, you know, um, you have to take advantage of the time you have now because nothing is to be taken for granted. That's a really beautiful sentiment. I know we don't get super serious here all too often. Um, I know I speak for everyone. Our condolences to you and your family. Please extend uh, mine to your parents, Brandon. Um, there is no love like a grandmother's love. It is a very, very unique thing. Uh, really cool um, You know that your grandmother never drove. That That is kind of um, representative of the time she lived her life in um you yeah know. she went to a one-room schoolhouse like crazy it's just like how yeah. how is this in our lifetime but yeah that's that's who she was um the coolest part about the mixtape is that uh so many people involved hate the other people involved um but um on a human level we all love one another and so um you know we all love you uh and all love the gardens um and uh great song choice great story great explanation and um yeah cherish the moment Carpe diem. Carpe omnia. That's the Cowboys uh, theme for this, this season. Did you know that? Uh, no. Do you speak Latin? No. Do you speak any other languages? I took Italian, but it's just like I barely did not. I retain that not at all. I mean, I could probably read some things and understand some words. I know some phrases, but mm. not much at all. Okay. Um, let's chunk deuces. As we do, I would like you to, I think I've asked you this before, but maybe the, the answer's changed um i would like you to give us your power ranking it is power rankings tuesday of your top three but in ascending order so three two one favorite favorite soups for the fall specifically so not in general for the fall man uh i'm trying to think um 
it's hard to start. I, I, can I start from top one to three? Because it's harder to think of three for me than it is for one. I suppose. That's fine. Number one is a baked potato soup. I just love a baked potato soup. Specifically, too, from Wawa. Just a great time. You know, thick cream. I like a, th- a creamier soup as opposed to like a broth, you know, a clear broth soup in general. There are some good soups like that as well. But baked potato soup, number one. I mean, I, I almost want that so much that I don't want any other soup. Um, why don't you give me one? Well, my wife made a chicken tortilla soup that I talked about in our postgame show that was really good. Um, it's still a little hot outside. I, I'm really itching for this, like, uh, you know, fall stuff. I've never had a, a baked potato mm. soup. I've also never had uh, – oh, we have a neighbor – well, we have a neighbor who um, who like does a lot of grocery distribution, and um, they'll they'll give us a lot of onions sometimes. So that's why I brought it up to you one time. Like mm. I really I was looking at one, and it, it just looked so delicious. Like I wanted to kind of hollow out the onion and make onion soup and eat it out of the onion. Um, so I'm gonna put that in my top three without ever having had it. Can I include chili, or is that its own thing? You can, but only because we reference chilies. Not that it's the same thing, but you can okay. today specifically. I'm do, I mean, that is specifically like a cold weather thing, too. Okay. I'm going to do okay. chili number two. It's kind of cheating, but whatever. And then I'm going to go, you know, it's a classic. Hard to go wrong with this. I'm going to go with a tomato soup. Mm, grilled cheese? Absolutely. Okay. Um, say grilled cheese, and then we leave. Grilled cheese, and then we leave. <laughs>